Are you ready to be awakened and empowered in your calling and purpose? Are you a builder and shaper of the church, marketplace, and society? Welcome to Transformation Generation Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Schneider, and I look forward to helping you get equipped as a catalyst of the kingdom in your sphere. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast broadcast. Here we are, History Makers TV, wherever you are watching or listening from. I'm so glad that you've joined us today. I want to talk to you today about something that is very interesting. Now, when you see the graphic and the title, you think, man, why does everything have to be about me, me, my, my? What's my role in God changing my life and this kind of thing? Actually, you should know us by now. It's a little more profound than that. And so I want to jump right into it today by telling you a little bit of a story. A number of years ago, my dad, who is, is the senior pastor of our church, and uh, I was executive pastor at the time, he was taking a three-month, I think, tour speaking. He was going a bunch of places, and I was to kind of hold down the fort while he was away. And I saw that as my opportunity to really prove to him that that I could do it, <laughs> and I could lead, and I could, you know, this was my moment. And so often we have kind of things created in our minds that that everything hinges on this one moment and we shift right out of God's grace and right into our own strength. And here I was preparing myself to lead when God had other plans. I was concerned about proving something to my father and proving something to the church. God saw an opportunity to go after my heart. I want you to know that sometimes the challenges, crisis, crises, uh, transitional times, uh, challenging times in our life, we, we don't always realize that God wants to capitalize on those the same way we might, but maybe he has a different agenda. Maybe he sees that within crisis, he can do something that he's wanted to do for a long time. And if we're not locked into his mind, his agenda, and if we don't know his ways, we can miss the opportunity within the crisis. We can miss the opportunity within the storm. And so that's what was happening to me. And <laughs> to my absolute horror, I fell sick literally to the day that my dad left. Very, very sick. And when I say sick, I'm talking about like bedridden, uh, couldn't couldn't walk more than 10 feet. Uh, I, was, I had just come back from Trinidad or, or somewhere. And so the doctors, the sickness was so bad. They were testing me for dengue fever and malaria and all this kind of thing. I was bedridden sick. And I thought, dear God, you know, I began to rebuke the demons that here I'm supposed to prove something. This is my time to shine. <laughs> and here I am bedridden. So I'm rebuking the sickness and that sickness just didn't go away. And uh, so as I laid there day after day, really wanting to be free of this thing so I can still salvage what time left I had at the church with dad being away so I could prove something, the Lord began to deal deeply with my heart in a way that actually marked me for the rest of my life and ministry. Thank God for that. <laughs> and as I laid there, I had nothing to do. And so I was watching my, my DVDs and and, uh, you know, on my social media, just doing whatever I could to pass the time. And eventually I, I, you know, had watched every DVD that I owned. And literally this was a lengthy sickness. And 
At one point, even when I thought I was on the mend and I got up that morning to attempt to put clothes on and go to the church, uh, I had broken out in some kind of <laughs> red spots all over my body. Like it was just something right out of a Job story. And back to bed I went. During that time, I stumbled upon a message that a man was preaching at IHOP down in Kansas City. Some of the things that he said, and I thought I'd take a listen. I had nowhere else to go and nothing else to do. And I took a listen to what he was saying, and I found my heart being convicted. It was one of those messages that takes you back to the foundation, that convicts of sin. You know, Holy Spirit was just evidently on this thing. And as I'm listening to him, I begin to feel convicted for certain areas of sin in my own life. God began to deal with me. And as I lay there on the bed, the Holy Spirit was present in the room, and I began to be convicted of things that I wouldn't normally think about or consider. <laughs> you probably know or can think of times or have heard stories when somebody's laid out in the hospital or they're forced to, to slow down all their work and all their stuff, and they actually get time alone with God where God has the time, hello, where God actually has the time to do the heart surgery, where you're not bombarded by everything that you are as part of your daily routines. I had the time and Holy Spirit began to deal with some things that seemed so minute. You, you might even call them pet sins. And, and one thing I realized about my Christianity at that time was that you know, I kind of felt, and and you might think I'm a I'm a horrible sinner for thinking this way, but if you pause and really contemplate what I'm saying, you you might find some of this in your own life. But here I am, and uh, and I begin to realize <coughs> that I was sort of allotting a certain small percentage of compromise because I felt I was doing so well in this area. <laughs> sort of like I'm doing 99 things right. What's wrong if I have this, this one thing that's an area of compromise? I'm sure some can relate. And in my comparison of good and evil, you know, eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in Genesis, keeping score, I was doing so well with 90 things that I didn't really pay attention to the compromise in these 10, 10% area here. Well, that's just what Holy Spirit wanted to deal with me on. Because the Bible says that the heart is wicked and no man can know it. The principle is that God sees the things within your heart that you can't see. And he knows that if he expands your ministry platform or, or you step into more of your inheritance or, or just over time, he knows that eventually that's going to cripple your walk as a Christian and your ability to reflect him and his image in the earth. He knows it will affect your ministry. If you grow and things explode for you in a good way, those character and integrity fractures will get touched and the enemy will exploit them to take you out and a whole bunch of other people with you. <laughs> wow, what a loaded statement. So God began to deal with these 10 things or what we could call the 10% in, in my own heart. And as he did, you know, one of them, for example, just, just, just to be very open and transparent with you, was the area of lust. I was a single man, and he, he pointed out that, okay, maybe you haven't committed adultery, but the scripture says when you even look at a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery in your heart. 
And he began to walk through things like pride and these little areas here where maybe even I had exaggerated. <laughs> and so as I had this list, I thought, well, it's just an exaggeration or this kind of thing. No, when I compared it to what the Bible had to say and not my own feelings, <laughs> when I grid those 10 things and those issues according to the Bible and what the Bible had to say, I was found wanting. <laughs> and so what I began to do, because I had the time, was I began to make a list on paper with pen. I began to make a list of the things that God was pointing out to me. I felt that was my part. God was doing his part in showing me those things, but I began to write them down to show God that I'm serious about wanting him to change me in that area. And so as I made this, this list, not only did I, you know, by the end of the day, I felt like a bit of a proud, lying, uh, you know, adulterer. <laughs> I say that jokingly. But I wrote these things down. And what I did was I looked up what God has to say about those things. So I looked up scriptures. Sadly, when it came to exaggeration or, or a, a white lie that you think you got away with or you bent the truth, the only real scripture I could find was... Uh, Liars shall have their place in the lake of fire. <laughs> so I had to write that scripture out. And boy, the, the, the conviction and stuff was, was just flowing. So I wrote down each item on this list and then put a corresponding scripture with it. You see what I was doing there? I was preparing what James talks about, the mirror, where it says that, you know, don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word, meaning put results and action to the things that you're reading or saying or, or what you've been told or taught to do. And so then he goes on to say anyone who who hears the word uh, and, and isn't a doer of the word, they're like somebody that looks in a mirror and then walks away forgetting what they look like. Essentially, what that means is when you look in the mirror, when you get up in the morning, you say, oh, my gosh. I look terrible. I've got to fix my hair. I've got to fix this, fix that. And then imagine you walk away from that mirror and completely forget that you're not dressed, not looking ready for work, and then you go off to work that way. You've forgotten the mirror. So when I, I was having this time of what I call self-evaluation with Holy Spirit, I was writing down the corresponding scriptures to the things in my life that I knew he wanted to change. This had a profound impact because I had prepared a mirror that was very clear of what needed to change. So what was left then for, was for me to go to God with a genuine heart of repentance that's founded in the word, not self-condemnation, not, you know, perfectionism or performance. No, no, just what Holy Spirit was convicting me in. I now had what the word had to say about it. I had the principle. I had what God had to say about it. Now, this part is very important because one of the things that the Lord spoke to me about during that time, he said this, Derek, you build your life, your Christianity. You build your Christianity on feelings and emotions. Let me just say that one more time. You build your Christianity on feelings and emotions. <laughs> and you know what? We know that you can't even build a marriage on feelings and emotions because feelings come, emotions come and go. The principle is this, that nothing successful 
or great in life is built upon feelings and emotions. And the Lord began to speak to me about how the things that he builds and anything that is successful must be built on laws and principles. I'm not talking about the laws of the Old Testament or religious laws. I'm talking about spiritual laws and principles. And I discovered that where there were areas of my life where I was breaking the laws of the kingdom, so to speak, there was a corresponding principle found in scripture that I could build my life upon. And so I began to make those lists. I didn't want to build my Christianity on feelings and emotions. And the Lord was very strict with me. He essentially said, Derek, you know, when you feel like having a devotional life, you're all in. But then when you don't feel like it, you're missing time with me. Or when you feel like being holy or trying to be holy in your own strength in this area, then you do it. But then over here, when you feel like you deserve compromise, you're compromising. This essentially is double-mindedness. This is an integrity fracture. And so when I discovered that, I thought, well, okay, I don't want to build my Christianity on feelings and and emotions anymore. I want to build on principles. And I, I'm ashamed to say this, but I actually asked the Lord, <laughs> where can I find the principles that I need to build my Christian life on? Well, the Holy Bible. Thank God for the Bible, a book of principles. I know for many of you, it's only a book of miracles. For me, it's a book of principles with stories of miracles that we can also experience as well. When I discovered that the Bible is a book of principles that we can build our life upon, I knew that success in whatever God called me to do, even being able to be a Christian, was actually possible. Little did I realize that God had allowed me to be laid out for this period of time that my dad was away so that he could deal with this rewiring of how I functioned. And what a profound transformation that it had. I didn't know. You see, I was thinking, I have to get to the church and prove this and, and prove that. And my concern was three months at the church. Meanwhile, God was more concerned about my heart. <laughs> God knew that he wanted to give me platforms that were far beyond our local church, into the nations and all that we're doing now. But for him to be able to build that on my life, he could only build on solid rock which Jesus made clear is the word of God. So you know what I began to do? I found this process of self-evaluation so transformational that I began to do this on a monthly basis. <laughs> so every month, taking two to three days of fasting, separation from activities, almost as if I was sick in bed again, although I'm not in bed all day, but worship, prayer, catching up on reading, I call it a prayer retreat, and I go into seclusion, and I stop my activities, or I minimize my activities to the point where God has time to do the deep heart surgery, because it all comes down to the heart. It all, everything that will be built on your life, trust me, you want to be in ministry, <laughs> it will take more than anointing. It will take more than gifting. In fact, you're wondering why you're not, your ministry is not greater and the breadth of it is not greater. God will not put a ministry upon you. He will not give you ministry success if he knows that it will kill you. He cares more about your soul than he does about your ministry. So he waits until that character is developed. 
He waits until there's a level of sonship developed and cultivated where you can step into the fullness of your spiritual inheritance, which is called your calling and purpose and destiny. So every month I'm doing this for three days. And I, I wanted to give you a few points that you could take away today that you could actually write down. Okay, so you may want to watch this video again four to seven times. It's on our YouTube channel. Uh, you're, you're maybe listening to it as a podcast right now. But here's a principle I want you to write down. Here it is. The first principle. It's not number one, but just an underlying principle. Here we go. If you want to build something successful in life, it must be built on laws and principles, not feelings and emotions. If you want to build something that's successful, something that will really bear fruit, I'm talking about kingdom fruit, not vanity, not whatever ladder you're trying to climb. I'm talking about fruit that remains eternal glory, okay, crowns. If you want to build something successful in life, it must be built on laws and principles, kingdom laws and principles. And where did I get those from? The Bible, not emotions and not feelings. That's what God was dealing with me on because he wanted me to build. Now, here's point number one for you to write down and be able to walk away from this, uh, this session today with something to use. Here it is. Your life today, meaning right now, your life today is a result of the principles you applied yesterday or the laws that you broke. <laughs> your life today is a result of the principles you applied yesterday or the laws that you broke. That is just a reality. Where you are today in every aspect, uh, asset, not asset, what word am I looking for? Aspect. In every aspect of your life, every sphere is a result of principles that you applied yesterday or laws that you broke. <laughs> and I have a little side note news for you there. You're never actually functioning at your best in every sphere all at once. Just let that sink in. <laughs> you're never functioning 100% in every sphere all at once. If you're, if you're making a lot of money and successful over here, chances are something is lacking in your family domain. <laughs> if you're really happy at home and the wife is just thrilled and it's all perfect, chances are something in your ministry is lacking attention. The idea is to be able to do all as best as you can through God's grace. But where you are right now has everything to do with not feelings. You don't live by miracles, but it's based upon the principles that you applied yesterday or the laws that you broke. Now here's number two. Therefore, your life can be improved if you take thorough inventory of the laws you are breaking or the principles that you need to apply. There, here's number two again. Therefore, your life can be improved once you take thorough inventory of the laws you are breaking and the principles that you need to apply. Behind every great success are great secrets. People get to where they are based upon the principles they apply. We're busy chasing people wanting to have their fruit. We want to dress like this speaker, have the fruit of this speaker, but we're, we're, we're impersonating their fruit and not digging to find the root. We're not looking at what's the root behind the fruitfulness of this particular person. 
And when you look at the root system and find out the principles, the root system is the principles. When you look at the principles of how they live, you'll find the secret sauce and then you can step into success. It might not look just like theirs, but it'll be Christ in you, the hope of glory. You won't be a carbon copy. You'll produce your own fruitfulness in the sphere of life that you're called to. This is, this is just so, so rich. Don't try to replicate the fruit, replicate the root. And I live this way. When I sit down with someone that is greater than me or someone I admire, there is no way we are having small talk. I've got questions. <laughs> I have studied the concept of the art of asking questions. And I am, I am asking, you know what? These kind of people are not annoyed with questions. Questions bring the best out of them. They like it. They want to mentor. They want to help. They just need to see that you're hungry. Little mentorship side note there. All right, so that was point number two. Now, point number three, here's, here's your part. This is all your part in how God changes your life. You'll find out pretty quick that as long as we're in this earthen body, it's everything is a partnership with God. Because God is spirit, we are spirit in a body, on a, in a tangible world, so you're always dealing with partnership. Oftentimes, we're looking for God to take care of everything, for God to just kind of make you do things and kind of control how you live. And wow, God changed me. He's controlling my behavior. Actually, one of the fruits of the spirit, just to kill that sacred cow, one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. Not God control, self-control. <laughs> There's a scriptural basis for self-development and personal disciplines. <laughs> All right, number three, sit down and make a list of laws being broken or principles that you need to apply. Sit down and make a list of the laws that you're breaking or the principles that you need to apply. Write them down. Where are you failing in life? Where is there sin in your life? Ask Holy Spirit to help you with this. Have him illuminate the things that need to change. And make a list of here are the things, the kingdom laws I'm breaking, even the life laws. You're wondering why you're not losing weight or why you're out of breath and tired and you're constantly asking God to give you the energy or the, the mental capacity. And meanwhile, God is sitting there thinking, well, you're breaking health laws. You're breaking the laws of your body. Eventually. The laws that you break will break you. God isn't going to go to the gym for you <laughs> and then perform impartation. God is not going to hit the, you know, like uh, our, our, one of our leaders, Bruce Richardson, who goes and swims constantly and he's always in good shape. God's not going to swim for you. He expects you to do that. That's your part to play in the transformation of your life. So number three, make a list of the laws being broken and the principles that need to be applied. Number four, and there's only five. Number four, make a corresponding list of biblical principles, scriptures. Where, what does the word have to say about it? Make a corresponding list of scriptures that speak to each of these laws you're breaking or principles you're neglecting. Find it in the Bible, like me with exaggerating or bending the truth a bit or something as I did when I was younger with that, those situations. The scripture I could find was liars will have their place in the lake of fire. Okay, 
<laughs> and and there were others like integrity and you know double mindedness all of that you don't realize what god wants to deal with in your life because the heart is wicked and you don't know what's in there you don't always know what's holding you back from true fruitfulness so make a corresponding list of scriptures that speak to each of those laws or principles in your life what does God have to say about it? What principles can you find in the word? Now, lastly, number five, make a list of the principles that are applied by successful people that you admire. Make a list of the principles that are applied by successful people that you admire. So when we say successful, we're talking about, you know, in Christian spiritual terms, fruitfulness. Those people, those leaders Maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a mentor, maybe it's a pastor, maybe it's your coach, maybe it's a, a CEO or a leader or somebody you look up to and admire. Make a list of the principles and laws you see that they're living by and how it's bringing them success. So at that point, you're not dealing with, okay, I'm, I'm doing this wrong and here's the corresponding scripture. You're now dreaming with God of the kind of person that you want to be. You're asking help from Holy Spirit to be able to uh, to live out the principles and things that, sh that you're seeing in that moment. <laughs> Hallelujah. And you see, this is real self-evaluation. Now, imagine doing this on a monthly basis, how this would impact your life, how your ministry would grow. And I don't want to leave out the most important thing that I did was not just write some things down and meditate on it, and, but I actually would repent. I would kneel down beside the bed, or at that time I was laying in bed, laid out, and I would repent for the things, for each of those laws, and I would ask the Lord for help. I would ask him for an anointing. I would ask him to, you know, help me in this area. If I felt that there was some kind of demonic stronghold that was causing that, or something was rooted in fear that was producing that, I would deal with it in prayer. But most importantly, I would repent and I would not leave that place of repentance until he had convicted my heart, until he helped me to repent. Because repentance is not just a flare prayer. Oh, Lord, please forgive me. <laughs> flare prayer. It's not just a quick prayer. Repentance is not even just repeating something. Repentance is godly sorrow within your heart that's leading to conviction of the Holy Spirit, and, and he's the one authoring that journey towards repentance. He helps us to repent. He convicts you, and then you can repent. And in exchange for your repentance, he not only forgives you, but he empowers you to live out those biblical principles that you just discovered. Hallelujah. <laughs> this is a very thorough look at what you can do on a regular basis so that you can be used by God. He can give you greater platform, greater inheritance, and he can trust you with your ministry. It was uh, just last year the Lord began to ask me that question after I heard a man of God talk about this. Can the Lord trust me? Can he trust me? And I want to ask you that question today. Can the Lord trust you? with what he wants to give you. We all have a spiritual inheritance in our heavenly bank account. 
It's our calling, purpose, and destiny. It's the fullness of what he has for us. Maybe you're called to speak to millions. Maybe you're called to speak to thousands. Maybe you're called to be the best mother, you know, the world has ever seen. Maybe you're called on assignment in the high school that you teach at. Maybe you're called to manage thousands, hundreds of thousands, or millions of dollars for the kingdom. My friends, unless there's a level of sonship cultivated in your own life, God just will not release that heavenly bank account, that spiritual inheritance, and the fullness of your calling to you, because he cares more about your soul than about your ministry. But if you want to begin to unlock more of what God has for you, more of what he, what he wants to release you to do, greatness, what you've been put on this earth to do, then it's going to come through every day, more and more, glory to glory, conforming to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. I bless you with that, and I pray the Holy Spirit to help those that are watching, to begin to convict. We give you permission. Just give him permission to begin to convict your heart in certain areas of your life, to begin to speak to your heart things that you didn't know about, things that, that are there that are holding you back that you're, you're not aware of or even in denial of. Holy Spirit, come and do that in each person's life. I want to thank you for joining us today. As I said, you'll be able to find this the, the video on our YouTube channel, History Makers TV. Look it up, like, and subscribe as well on this podcast. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to seeing you again next week. God bless. Thanks for listening to Transformation Generation Podcast. If you like what you heard, visit historymakersacademy.com to enroll in one of our cutting-edge trainings. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, History Makers TV, or download our History Makers Society app today.